All right, good morning. Welcome to Open Anchor Church. It's good to see you here today. Uh, looking forward to uh, opening God's Word today uh, and returning to jumping back into our Rock of Ages series. Uh, if you've been here in the past 11 weeks uh, or so, we've been really paying attention to learning about the Apostle Peter, kind of his uh, life, who he was, uh, his encounters with Jesus, and how that really shaped him, how that really uh, formed him uh, in the with God life, and how we, by uh, walking with Him by listening to His teachings as prompted by the Holy Spirit, we too can be formed. We can be uh, conformed more to the likeness of Jesus by listening to the wisdom and the counsel that the Apostle Peter would give us in his two letters. And that's where we are now. We're in his first letter. And so that's where we're going to jump back in today. Uh, but how about this? Let's, let's pray first. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord and say, God, as we're opening the Bible today, I pray that something in, in each of us would open as well. That we would be receptive, that we would be attentive, that we would desire to be transformed. Uh, transformed by the renewing of our minds. Transformed by the refreshing of our hearts. By looking to Christ, looking to our Maker, listening to His truth uh, as the Holy Spirit brings it to bear on us here today. So, Father, we, we come to you today. And we confess our, our sin, we confess our brokenness, our hopelessness apart from you. And uh, in that, we want to be very honest. We want to be humble enough to say, we need you. But on the other hand, we want to be uh, quick to celebrate, quick to have hearts filled with gratitude to say, thank you for Jesus. Because of Jesus, uh, we're not hopeless. Because of Jesus, we're not joyless. We, uh, we, we have reason to celebrate and reason to uh, believe that the best is yet to come. And that death and sin, they do not get the last word. And so we thank you for that. God, today as we open the Bible, I pray that you would bless the reading of your word. I pray that your Holy Spirit would take the words we find there. And that uh, through, those, through the hearing that we would... Um, have communicated to us a life-giving truth that would be conformed more to the likeness of Jesus Christ, your Son. Help us pursue holiness. Help us pursue, pursue lives that are um, obedient, oriented by joy, so that you would look at us and say, yes, I see Christ all over this person. They're very much and increasingly so like my son, Jesus Christ. And that we would stand before you and hear you say, well done, well done, good and faithful servants. God, set our hearts on obedience and righteousness, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, this morning I'd like to tell you a story. Oh, this is week 12 of Rock of Ages. <laughs> and uh, I'd like to t start off by telling you a story today uh, uh, from the summer of 2021. When Sam, my son Sam and I went to Colorado, we went to... Uh, Colorado Springs to run a 50 kilometer trail run or a trail race that was 50 kilometers long, which I'll save you the math, 31.1 miles long. It was called the Pikes Peak Ultra. And uh, it started in Colorado Springs and went all the way up to the summit of Mount Rosa and back down through the mountains on Gold Camp Road and stuff. So a lot of elevation gain, beautiful course. Um, it topped out, like I said, on Mount Rosa, which is 11,504 feet above sea level. It was a beautiful and relatively cool day, 
and things were going pretty well, which in a mountain race, a long distance race like that, things can go pretty badly if you're not careful. I mean, just every day is different. But this day, things were going really well. The weather was nice. Day was good. Uh, I was running well. The weather was cooperative until the climb up Mount Rosa, which was about 18 miles into the race. Has anyone been to the mountains, the Rocky Mountains before? You know that if you're going to climb a mountain, you should get it done before noon. Why? Because weather develops uh, around the mountains, up around the summits typically, in the higher elevations, uh, after noon. That's just how the, the meteorological uh, context seems to, to function there. Storms roll in in the afternoon, and true to form, this was the summertime, uh, clouds rolled in. Uh, the temperature started to drop. And this mist, it wasn't raining, but it was like misting. It was like this fog that was wet, and it started soaking our clothes. Visibility became limited. Uh, the trees uh, began to disappear into the fog. Uh, so ahead of me became just kind of a cloud, and behind me became a cloud. And uh, here's the thing, I was, I was only wearing a long sleeve t-shirt. I was wearing a long sleeve shirt, and since I was climbing uphill and I was making good progress, I decided to wait until the summit to put on my windshell, my, my jacket. But by the time I got to the summit, my hands were numb. My hands were numb and I was getting pretty cold. In fact, on the summit of Mount Rosa, uh, there was zero visibility. And I found myself unable to put my windshell on by myself. Yes, my arms were in the sleeves, but I couldn't zip it up. Because my hands were like somebody else's. <laughs> I had no control of my hands. I'm like, oh, I can't zip my coat. I was completely... Um, incapable of getting it closed and as the wind whipped across the summit I was getting increasingly concerned because I couldn't take care of myself to get warm and as long as I couldn't get warm I was not safe. After fumbling with my windshell zipper for several minutes I finally had to surrender and ask uh, another runner who had summited <laughs> to help zip my jacket because I'd lost all hand dexterity. You may be wondering in ultra running and ultra distance trail running how you meet new and interesting friends. Well, go get hypothermic on a mountaintop and ask strangers to help you get dressed. That's one way. That's one way you can make friends during a race. Um, after he helped me, and I don't remember his name because we parted after that and we didn't even ex exchange numbers. After he helped me get dressed, I headed down the mountain into the deep fog knowing that it would get warmer as I descended. As I came down in altitude or elevation, it would get warmer. Uh, at one point, I emerged from the trees into a foggy open area, and I could barely make out where the trail went from there. It's like the trail ended, and I'm in the middle of this opening on the side of the mountain, and I can't see anything. The trail has disappeared. I don't know which way I should go. Off to my left, I saw movement and I saw a man stumbling out of the trees, uh, the tree line and the fog, stumbling toward me, walking slowly and scanning the terrain. He too was clearly lost and he was clearly off course, just like I was. So I, I pointed out where I had come down and where I had last seen the trail. I told him, you know, the summit's that way. I was coming here. And so there we were in this foggy opening, both kind of lost. 
I was looking for flagging, colorful flagging that might mark the trail. Uh, the trail that I should follow. I was scanning for any recognizable landmarks or indications about which way I should go. I knew I needed to head downhill, but which way? Which way? I mean, downhill is only so helpful if you know where you're going. Because if you've been in the mountains of Colorado, you know that there's a lot of downhill and it can lead to a lot of different places. So I didn't know which way I should go. The mountain was huge and the wilderness below was vast. A person could spend days, weeks even, wandering around lost in those woods. For a fleeting moment, as you can imagine, I felt this sense of panic start to rise in me. I felt this sense of panic start to rise inside my chest uh, as worst case scenarios began to formulate themselves in my imagination. Does anyone else do that? It's like you go right to the worst case scenario. It's like I just instantly had visions of my mummified, like desiccated body laying on this with a well-zipped jacket on, um, <laughs> dead, dried out. <laughs> this was my, my worries. I, I catastrophize. I felt lost in that moment, and to make matters worse, not only was I lost, I didn't know where Sam was. My son Samuel was on that mountain somewhere too, and I wondered, is he lost like I am? Because we weren't together. Where's Sam? Was he okay? Is he lost as well? Having been in situations similar to this before, I knew just enough to not freak out completely. I knew not to give in to that panic. I knew not to uh, start moving cluelessly in the forest without thinking, because that's how a bad situation turns into a really bad situation. So what did I do? I stopped. I stopped and I calmed down and I looked around to get my bearings. What do I know about where I am? What makes sense? First, I looked back to see where I'd come from, to make sure I was facing the right direction downhill because I knew I came from there, I can face this way and I'm heading in the general direction. I looked back to where I had come from, tracing the trail from the direction of Mount Rose's summit to where I was standing and then I traced the line of the trail downhill from where I was standing into the fog. I even had had the forethought of saving an image of the topographic map on my phone. So I pulled up the, the map on my phone and even though I couldn't triangulate my location from the map and from known landmarks, I was able to somewhat orient myself to the trail. Anyone who's ever done land navigation knows that if you can see distant mountaintops or identifiable landmarks, you can triangulate yourself and place yourself on the map. But without that, you just kind of have to go by a gut feeling, kind of by reckoning where you think you are. Um, I was able to get my general bearing and apprehend which direction would lead me to the trail. And thus I began working my way slowly down the mountain. Eventually, as I descended, the clouds began to thin out and the trail became evident once again. Once in the trees, I was able to make out the course markings and I was able to see where I was meant to go. And so my anxiety slowly ebbed, it abated. Uh, my hands began to warm up and yes, I found Sam. I found Samuel. He's not still there. He uh, was coming up the trail. I met him on the way down and I was able to give him some information about where to go and where not to go uh, as he summited behind me. So I found Samuel. So that was happy. He wasn't lost. He was doing the same thing. He was finding his way in the fog. He was finding his way in the fog. Have you ever been in a situation like that? Not 
probably the same situation. But have you ever been in a situation where you recognized in that moment, it's like, I don't know where I am. I mean, this could be physically, it could be spiritually, though. It could be emotionally, it could be relationally. It's like, I don't know. I feel like I'm surrounded by the fog. I, I know where I came from, but I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where to go from here. We all know, I think, what it's like to feel lost in the fog and not know how to find our way home. And so I think today we have something before us that will be beneficial and valuable for us to talk about. I've had challenging experiences in the mountains and I've had challenging experiences in the wilderness. I've learned important lessons as I've traveled within them. I've learned about myself, I've learned about nature, and I've learned about the life with God. Here's what I've learned. Sometimes we need to stop. Sometimes we need to look around so that we can get our bearings, especially when we feel disoriented, when we feel worried, when we find ourselves off course, and when we're just a little bit lost. The best thing you can do is stop. Look around and get your bearings. Don't go charging off in this way and that way. Don't give in to the panic. Don't start casting about and being frantic. Stop. Look around and get your bearings. Specifically, when we, uh, we need to learn to stop and, and don't freak out. I mean, if you hear anything today, it's like, hey, don't freak out. Don't freak out. Nothing good comes from the freak out. So stop. Don't freak out. Look around to locate yourself. Look around so that you can discern what the next step ought to be. We need to look back to see where we came from and trace out then where we are going. We need to seek guidance, uh, seeking guidance from what we've learned in order that, we're stay, in order that we can stay, stay faithful on the course that we've been called to. In, first, in Peter's first letter, he takes time to orient us. He wants to give us wisdom to help us find out and figure out and know where we are so that as we move forward, we head in the right direction. He wants to orient us. He wants to exhort us to think clearly, to exercise self-control so that we stay on the path, so that we stay obedient. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 15, we are called to look back up the trail and then to look ahead, charting a path of faithfulness to God in light of what Jesus has accomplished for us in His life, His death, and His resurrection. So He wants us to look back. Hey, remember. Remember where you've come from. And let that inform where you're heading so that you can understand fully what has been uh, afforded you, accomplished for you through Christ and His life, death, and resurrection because of the great salvation. That's a phrase you run into in Peter quite often. Great salvation. Because of the great salvation afforded us in Jesus Christ, we are to live as God's obedient children, pursuing holiness, rejecting sin, and sinful desires, selfish desires. Because of the great salvation afforded us in Jesus Christ, we are to live as God's obedient children, which means we do two primary things. We pursue holiness, living according to the revealed will of God, and second, we reject sin and selfish desires, those self-destructive uh, desires and habits that naturally find inclination inside of us. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. And let's look at verses 13 through 16. A call to holy living. So, 
So think clearly and exercise self-control. Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God has chose you, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. So think clearly and exercise self-control. Now, we can start right there, but we must be careful not to just plunge right in. We have to pay attention to what the text is actually saying. We don't want to plunge right in without first looking back. What's our first hint that we need to look back at what's been said before? What are those first words there in verse 13? Well, what's that very first word in the New Living Translation? So, or your Bible might say, therefore. Anytime you see therefore, this is a pro tip. Anytime you see therefore starting a sentence or a passage in the Bible, you need to ask therefore, what's that therefore? And you need to look back. What's been said previously? Likewise, when it says so, as a result of this, so, think clearly. Well, what's he saying? What's he talking about? Peter begins with so, and your Bible, like I said, might say therefore, which means what he's about to say is in response to what has been said previously. So we need to look back at verses 8 through 12, which we talked about last time, so that we can get a sense of the wonder and the joy of salvation. This, it is this salvation which the prophets, as you remember, the prophets of old, they foretold but didn't, didn't understand, didn't experience. And uh, the salvation that the angels even now do what? They marvel. They look at it in wonder. They look at it eagerly, watching it unfold. It's like, this is a masterpiece. The angels of heaven look at what Jesus has accomplished. They're just like, wow, love it. This is so good. So uh, let's look at 1 Peter 8 through 12. So here's what we're doing. We're backing up from verse 13 where it says, so or therefore. Let's back up to verse 8. You love him. Though you have never seen him, though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterwards. They were told that their message, messages were not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. And then verse 13. So, therefore, think clearly and exercise self-control. It's because of these things, this reality in which we live, we ought to respond in a certain way. So think clearly and exercise self-control. Because of the great gift of salvation we have in Christ, we are to think clearly and exercise self-control. We are to be prepared for action, disciplining ourselves in holiness. It's like has been said, there are no accidental followers of Jesus. There are no incidental believers. It's all intentional. You have to choose. You have to decide against yourself every day to decide to follow Jesus and walk in that way instead of the way of the flesh, the way of our base desires. We have to choose 
be prepared for action, disciplining ourselves in holiness. Now, thinking clearly, thinking clearly, it says, so, think clearly. Uh, thinking clearly, the language here, according to the Expositor's Bible Commentary, says, it presents the figure of a man gathering the folds of his long garment and tucking it into his belt so that he can move freely and quickly. Does anyone know what that's called? Girding your loins. Girding your loins. Let's say it together, it's good. Girding your loins. What's Peter telling us here? Essentially, he's saying, guys, gals, gird your loins. And you're going to say, that sounds fun. Well, this is what it means. It means to, to take the folds of your robe, of your garment, tuck it into your belt so that you can run, so that you can move, so that you can fight. So that you can flee, whatever you need to do, your legs are unencumbered by the fabric and you can just get busy. Gird your loins. A life lived in response to Jesus' sacrifice and in response to God's calling, uh, we are to gird our loins and be ready for action, be ready to run, to move, to resist, to fight, to exert ourselves in the cause of obedience. Have you understood this before? That as a result of understanding, of embracing what Jesus has done, how do we respond? It's more than just believing, it's actually doing. Gird up your loins and live like this. Gird up your loins. Imagine the prophet Elijah. If you're familiar with the prophet Elijah, after the, the fireball from heaven on Mount Carmel, the destroying of all the prophets of Baal and Asherah, uh, they see that the rain is about to start. He, Elijah tells Ahab, hey, get back to town or you're going to get stuck. And Ahab and his horse and chariot takes off and it says Elijah, who's kind of an older dude at this point, picks up the folds of his garment, tucks it in his belt, and off he goes. And it says he outruns the chariot all the way home. Holy moly! He girded up his loins and he ran. He outran King Ahab's chariot in 1 Kings 18 if you want to read about it. But girding up his loins. This is what Peter means for you when he says, hey, think clearly. Think clearly. Be ready for action. Stay tucked, basically. I don't know if that's what he means, but it sounds good. But be ready. Don't be caught off guard here. The NIV says, prepare your minds for action, which I think actually captures the idea better. We're to consider what Jesus Christ has accomplished in His atoning work. And thus, as a result, we, we uh, uh, prepare our minds for actions. We gird our loins and we prepare our minds for action and live accordingly. Next, Peter says, exercise self-control, which originally meant uh, self-control or temperance, uh, whatever the word might have been here. The original use of this word meant to avoid too much wine. It meant don't get drunk. Uh, avoid too much wine. But the concept or the thought is expanded into being sober-minded. Don't be given to faulty thinking. Don't let your thoughts and your awareness be hijacked by any other thought, cause, or substance. Be sober-minded. Actively embrace sound judgment. Pursue wisdom. And yes, avoid excess. We've all lived long enough to know how uh, excess leads to destructiveness. Any good thing uh, in, in, in excessive measure becomes a bad thing. A good creek, a good river becomes a destructive thing when it's up out of its bank. 
when it's flooded, when there's just too much. It can become a bad thing. I was out in California a couple weeks ago with Brennan, and uh, the Middle Valley of California is the most fertile agricultural um, uh, thing, uh, place in the United States. I mean, it, it produces more fruit, nuts, vegetables than any other place in the United States in that one small location, relatively small location. But anyway, you just see miles and miles, square miles of, of orchards and of oranges on trees. I mean, just all kinds of stuff. But even at that point, there had been way too much rain. And since we got back, it's just been nonstop rain and snow. And now, there's the real risk of a lot of crops are going to be lost. Why? Because of rain. Well, don't, don't you need rain for these things to grow? Well, yes. But not dump trucks full of it day after day after day. Too much of it of a good thing becomes a very bad thing. And that which is necessary for growth can become that which actually kills uh, what you were trying to do. So practice, exercise self-control. Be sober-minded. Embrace sound judgment. Pursue wisdom and avoid excess. We mustn't become distracted. We mustn't be mastered by selfish desires or given to temptation. We must not return to the empty life inherited from our ancestors. So we look back. We look back to recall the great salvation in Jesus Christ, but we also look forward. Peter's not telling us just to remember something. He's saying, and now, focus on this. As you look forward, look forward to this. When Jesus Christ returns, as promised, our salvation will then be finally and fully Realized, we finally and fully come to us. This is one aspect of that already but not yet reality in which we live in the life with God. For now, this is what that means. For now, those who have trusted in Christ already experience and enjoy God's grace, don't we? We know forgiveness. We know salvation through faith in Jesus even now. But here's the good news. Here's the great news. We will receive its final consummation when Jesus Christ returns. When Jesus Christ returns, there will be no more sin, there will be no more loss, there will be no more grief, no more tears. There will be no more separation between where God dwells and where we dwell. It will become one. God's dwelling place will become one with our dwelling place in the new heaven and the new earth. This understanding, it resonates with the Apostle John. The Apostle John, one of the others who lived with Jesus and was formed by Jesus' life and ministry. 1 John chapter 3, uh, verses 2 and 3. Look at that. Uh, 1 John 3, verses 2 and 3. See how very much our Father loves us, for He calls us His children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know Him. Dear friends, we are already God's children. But He has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure, just as He is pure. So as John says, hey, we're already God's children. We already are saved. We already are being made new. But a time will come where Christ will be before us, and we will see Him as He sees us, and we will know as He knows us. There will be no more guessing. There will be no more obscuring of that image. We will see and we will know and we will have fully become what Christ has made us. So how ought we live while we await this 
second coming, this coming of Jesus, his coming in fullness? The answer from the apostles and the answer from scriptures is clear. Our Ours is to pursue holiness now. Pursue the kind of life that pleases God. It has been revealed to us in Scripture and has been demonstrated by Christ and the apostles and, through the, and throughout the history of the church. What does it mean to pursue holiness? Well, start in the Word. Pursue these things. Hear Paul's words. Let's listen also to the Apostle Paul. Hear Paul's encouragement, uh, his wisdom about the pursuit of holiness that we read in Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, 1 through 2. You can flip over there. Romans 12, 1 through 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Pursue holiness so that you can know these things. You can learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let God transform you into a new kind of person. By what? By changing the way you think. Reframing the natural thought process that come to us in our humanity. Reforming them, shaping them, disciplining them by the truth of God's word. Actively choosing to challenge yourself, to choose against yourself oftentimes in order to live according to what God has revealed to us in His Word. The life of faith requires us to be disciplined. And this doesn't sell well <laughs> these days. Maybe it never has. But the life of faith requires us to be disciplined. It requires us to be disciplined in order to avoid slipping back into the old ways of foolish and destructive living, of satisfying our own desires instead of what God desires for us. Because here's the thing, God has expressed desires for you and how you ought to use the time you've been given. So when we choose to disobey that, we're making an active choice. Especially as a believer, you know these things, you've heard these things, you're saying, yes, I see that, but I choose, God, to do my own thing instead. I choose to place myself in higher authority, higher influence than you in my life. Thanks, but no thanks. But the life of faith requires discipline in order to avoid those errors, slipping back into the old ways of foolish and destructive living, satisfying our own desires instead of what God desires. That's the problem with living on your own terms. By the time you recognize how destructive and foolish it's been, it's too late. It's only in retrospect that you realize, oh, I've made a terrible mistake. I've made a grave error. And now what do I do? What do I do? And so as we recognize it now, let's live and act accordingly. We look back to remember God's goodness. And we look ahead to keep obedience in focus, thinking clearly and exercising self-control. Even when it's difficult, even when the way forward is obscure, when it's cold and when you feel a little bit lost, just stop. Stop and look around. Get your bearings and remember who you are and remember where you are. Remember the reality uh, of who you are now in Christ. Remember the reality of where you are now in Christ. And live accordingly. By, by taking time to recall, 
and to rejoice in this great salvation we already have by faith in Jesus Christ, and by looking ahead to the promise and the reward of salvation to come, the fog will clear. The fog will clear and the way forward will emerge and we will all find our way home. So exercise, think clearly, exercise self-control, and look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Let's pray. Father, thanks for your word. Oh, man. Thanks for Peter. Thanks for John and for Paul all beating this same drum working the same message into us, the same encouragement, the same exhortation that we must recall, we must cling to that reality, the reality of what Jesus has accomplished for us through his life, his death, and his resurrection, how that becomes the backdrop, the foundation of the life we're living today. And our daily calling is to keep that in mind and to prepare ourselves for action and to live accordingly. God, I pray that each and every one of us would more so today than yesterday. And it would grow even stronger tomorrow that we would have hearts set on the pursuit of holiness. Deciding to obey, deciding to discipline, deciding to squelch those selfish, foolish desires that rise up within us. And choosing to live according to your expressed will through the word, through Jesus, and through the ongoing work of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I need this message. Lord, I spent a lot of time wandering in the fog and to be real honest which doesn't surprise you at all uh, it's been pretty foggy lately I've uh, been pretty disoriented I've not felt very grounded I've not felt very cognizant of who I am and where I am because of Jesus and God I think I speak for some of my friends here too Lord we feel kind of stuck we feel maybe a low-grade panic that we've done it wrong, we're doing it wrong. Maybe we're lost. Maybe there is no hope. We feel like we're on a, in a clearing on a foggy mountainside in a vast wilderness. And we just don't know which step to take. So God, I pray right now that maybe the work of your Holy Spirit, the work the Holy Spirit could do right now would just have a stop. Stand still. Listen. Look around, remember, recall. And then maybe it would be oriented a little bit more. And we'd know that uh, there is a way in which we should walk. And that your Holy Spirit is with us, that we might walk in it. So God, I pray that uh, you'd do a work, a supernatural work in each of us today. God, we've opened your word. We've... We've opened our hearts. I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak words of truth, of comfort, of wisdom to us. God, we want to gird up our loins, but we don't want to run foolishly. We don't want to run in just wrong directions. God, we want to follow you. We want to be ready for action with minds that are self-controlled and are sharp. So God, do a work in us today, I ask. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to understand everything that your Holy Spirit would say to us today. God, renew us, transform us, we ask, in Jesus' name. Here, we're going to sing another song together in worship, but before we do that, we're going to take a couple minutes to just sit with the Lord. Okay, this is a great opportunity for you to say, God, help me, I feel like I'm in the fog right now. I need to know the way forward. Remind me, recall to mind where I've been, but help me know where I ought to go.
Now let me waste this week wandering around. Let me know what I ought to work on today, tomorrow, this week, as I set my heart on obedience, as I want to be more like Jesus this week. Maybe you don't feel like you're in the fog. Maybe you're like, yeah, man, I'm hard on the trail of Jesus. Well, ask God to help you uh, uh, be even more ready for action, more committed to obedience, more determined in the pursuit of holiness. I can't wait to see what the Holy Spirit will do in that. So whether you're in the fog or whether you're hard on the trail, there's something to talk to God about today. That desire to transform you through the renewing of your mind is as true for us, as real for us today, as it was for anyone who was re reading this the first time back in the first century. True story. So make the most of this opportunity as you interact with the Father.